Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 1. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. 2. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. 3. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. Tuesday, October 10th, here on the Just Baseball Show. I'm Peter Apple. That is Jack McMullen. And game two of the NLDS was everything we could have hoped for and more. And we're going to recap it here on the show. And it's all brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use promo code Just Baseball when you sign up a deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older. Terms and conditions apply. Jack, I was inspired by your last episode. You wrote down everything that you experienced, yeah. all of your notes on yeah. the one note, and you went over it on Monday's episode. I did the same thing. However, I think the way you and I jot down notes is a little bit different. I'm stream of conscious. You, much more dialed in, probably a little bit smarter. So this episode might be a little bit funnier because what I made sure to do is I didn't change any of my thoughts. So you're we're going to go through what my head was thinking through Braves 
Phillies, which was an unbelievable game. Yeah. And right now we're recording in the wee hours of the night. It is the ninth inning on the East Coast. Diamondbacks are currently winning 4-2. We're going to recap both. First of all, it's late. How are you? I know this is tough for you. I'm good. Um, yeah, we'll see if I get uh we'll see how my fellow residents on this uh second floor of the apartment complex that will not be named in Indianapolis kind of uh feel about me tomorrow morning. We'll see if uh, I get any like letters slid under my door, but I think we're gonna be good. I have a three-part response to that opening monologue. Okay. You ready? No. Part one. Maybe the first time I've ever inspired anyone to do anything, and okay. that's the notes. Um, two, you're giving me a lot of credit. I wouldn't say what I did was smart. I was I was kind of doing stream of consciousness too. I'm excited to hear what your version of that looks like. And three, did you use OneNote as well, or did you use the Notes app? What What are we looking at? We're looking at a Google Doc, and Google Doc. I oh, think. What I meant by this is because I just looked back at my Google Docs and it's a lot of scratch. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of just I'm throwing immediate <clears throat> thoughts at the wall for you. Listening back to the episode, it was well articulated. points. Yeah. Well, like I'm just that with what you were thinking before you put it on the one note. I did none of that. Here's the thing. I am a conniving, calculated, slithering jerk. Okay. So I think that kind of bleeds into my note taking. Is that fair? I think your neighbors are going to be more mad with your maybe personality in the hallway rather than you at four no, volume. Okay. Cause right now so, you're not a yeller. So there's a pit bull that's like four doors down and that thing's going to kill me at some point. So when you don't hear me on the pod for the next week, you know, they sent the pit bull to come get me. We love dogs, but enough of the pit bull. We got to talk about Braves versus Phillies. <clears throat> so I'm going to go inning by inning, right? Because I'm writing down thoughts. I'm going to throw it at you. I want to get your instant reaction, and then we'll just move through it. Because right. my notes, it's basically a log of everything that happened because I was instant reacting to everything. Can I give you my sweeping claim for this game real quick, though? Absolutely, you can. Instant classic. One of the better postseason games that I've watched in in quite some time. Instant classic is a great way to describe it. So we'll start in the first inning. Phillies, obviously, they loaded the bases early, right? I, they didn't load the bases, but first and second, that big strikeout on Bryce Harper in the first inning. This is what I wrote. It looks as if the Phillies could have unloaded, but that felt like it changed the inning entirely. I know they got two more base runners on, but that strikeout for Freed, just felt like a game-changing play, or at least at the time. Remember, this is stream of conscious. I thought, well, Freed didn't have it early, but getting that strikeout, you could kind of see the relief in Freed go down a little bit. Braves fans relax. Braves players relax a little bit. Now it's 1-0, right? You're still on the brink, but it could have been so much worse. Yeah, so I, I guess my first inning takeaway, my top of the first inning takeaway was, he was so clearly not as sharp as he wishes he could have been freed. Um, and I, Snit brought it up when Matt Weiner was talking to him on the TBS broadcast. It was 18 days between game action because he was dealing with that blister thing. And like, okay, you know, blister, I, 
I'm sure he felt okay with the blister side. He could have certainly had, you know, like that sensation that he was dealing with and he could have been dealing through some pain. But the the thing that jumped out to me was he just wasn't sharp. And the version of Freed that is an ace and a top five left-hander in baseball, maybe a top two left-hander in baseball, um, is always sharp. And postseason Freed over the last several seasons is always sharp. And this was the first time in the last couple of postseasons where I felt like he wasn't sharp. Couldn't agree with you more. And Aura made a really funny joke. And we'll talk about it at the end of the game that everybody was bitching and moaning about the playoff format. And then the Braves come back and win. Right. Playoff format didn't seem it's like much now. of an it's issue, great. did it? It's, yeah. a great, it's a great format. And I also saw people, you know, up in arms about the freed thing about what Snit was saying. Snit wasn't talking about the playoff format at all. No, all he was, he was talking about was the fact that this guy hadn't pitched in 18 days. Talking about his going to, Yeah. Exactly. And he, he was just a little bit rusty. That had nothing to do with the format, but I'm glad we're able to move past it. Braves fans, Phillies fans, we're moving past it. Tied 1-1. But this truly was the Zach Wheeler show. He had a fastball up and away to Marcelo Zuna that was called a strike that Ozuna disagreed with. I thought it was one of the best fastballs ever. That's what I wrote down on my Google Docs. It was 97 up in the zone. And Wheeler, he didn't even have to really go to his sinker at all because the fastball just had so much life and he was maintaining the velocity. Five innings, no hit. Again, didn't need to go to his sinker. And throughout this outing, the Braves dugout was what stood out to me. Just seemed dead. It seemed that after the first inning, even though Freed kind of relaxed a little bit, the dugout, the at-bats, and maybe that was Wheeler, right? They're staring down the barrel of what I think is the best postseason pitcher left and arguably the best postseason pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. When Zach Wheeler is on, it doesn't really matter the offense, right? We saw how devastating the sweeper was. He didn't even need to go to his sinker, Jack. We needed um, extension to come up on Savant. Like extension, that was added, what, end of the 2022 season was when extension kind of made its way in. And Wheeler is one of the best extenders in baseball. And when we first started doing the project the plate show and the just baseball show, um, my lasting thing that I kept saying like an idiot was – Zach Wheeler is 6'4", but he pitches like he's 6'8", 6'9". And I really didn't know how to describe it any further. He just pitches like a big boy. And the answer is extension. This guy is a tall dude, long legs, long arms. He gets so far down on the mound, and he is at you. And when he is putting 96, 97 wherever he wants it, he is an impossible task as an opposing hitter. And somehow this guy manages to do it each and every October over the last several seasons that we've seen him in there, which is so impressive and so commendable. Um, The only other guy that I really see that and and kind of different way of getting it there, but it's 96, 97, wherever he wants it. And he will beat you with this fastball is Strider and Strider had a little bit of that in game one, Mm -hmm. but he made a couple mistakes. They made him pay Wheeler in terms of fastball efficiency, fastball command, was very Strider-esque in game two. thought it was better than Strider. And 
I also wrote down Wheeler spinning backdoor breaking ball should be illegal. That was gross. That one that clipped the lower outside corner. Was that, uh, who was it? Lefty bat. Was it Eddie Rosario? I think it was Rosario. It might've been Albies, but I'm pretty sure it was Rosario. I just remember there was a couple. In the other batter's box until the very last moment. And it just clips the corner. And that is a fake pitch that should be banned. Just like the tush bush. Should have been banned. Because when he's able to locate his fastball like that, and then you could spin breaking balls in the other batter's box, it's just... And that was what's so impressive, because Strider has better stuff, I would say, than Zach Wheeler. But what makes Zach Wheeler so good is that if Strider's stuff is 100th percentile, Wheeler's is 95th, and Wheeler is using that with 100th percentile command. Yeah. mixing and matching wherever he wanted to. And then, but then we can't forget the Phillies started scoring, right? J2 Romuto, big time home run, soul crushing wow. type home run. You wow. felt the air getting sucked out of Truist Field. And then, do you remember the Nick Castellanos stealing second? Yeah. And then advancing to third? Yeah. Do you remember that play? So, <laughs> what I wrote down, that felt like an FU to the Braves. The <laughs> best defensive catcher overthrows the guy and then he scores on a sack fly to make it 4-0 that just like Nick Castellano stealing second on Sean Murphy the fact that he was able to do that that felt like the season was over for the Braves if he's out here doing that I mean that's the biggest FU I could think yeah so I was thinking just Philly's magic at that point but I like that you went the other way and you looked at that as an indictment on the Braves as opposed to a pro on the Phillies no no not that's not what I meant not indictment on the Braves that was Nick Castellano saying F you to the Braves that's what I meant to say yeah no but I guess you're looking at it from a negative Braves lens it's like oh he's doing this to the Braves I'm just like (laughs) wow doesn't matter who's on the other side the Phillies are just like They've got this weird thing going on in October, and it works. I totally would agree with you if it wasn't Nick Castellanos. Like, just yeah. hearing his interviews yeah, all the time fair. and knowing what kind of character he was. Fair. He already did the ring finger, right? It just felt like an F you to the Braves. Yeah. Um, and just to add on top of that, Philly stole seven bases in two games against Murphy, who is not just some catcher. He's got a top five pop, pop time in Major League Baseball. He's one of the best defensive catchers. Yeah. Their ability to take second, to take the extra base is incredible. Because not only is that so important in the playoffs, you're doing it against a top flight catcher and you're doing it against a Max Freed and other guys who are excellent at holding runners on. These pitchers are athletes. This isn't Noah Syndergaard standing up there like a statue. These are athletes that they're stealing on. And it was just incredibly impressive. Also, one more note, Freed had more swings and misses than Wheeler did. Even though Wheeler had eight strikeouts through five innings and Freed had three through four. Yeah, but he Obviously, was freezing. Wheeler was freezing everybody with his fastball. I, I agree. And Freed faced more hitters. I just saw swings and misses and Freed had more. I was like, that's that's not right. Freed had a great day. Wheeler was kind of off. Freed had a great day. If we go on whiffs. <laughs> Another note. I thought Riley made a really, really good play in foul ground to get Harper. It was way tougher than it looked. And by that, I mean he made it look really easy. If you remember that play, ran all the way down to third. Remember, these are stream of consciousness type thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't remember that play. That I was like, that was 
a phenomenal play in a big spot against Bryce Harper. Made it look so easy. Shout out Austin Riley. And we're going to shout the fuck out Austin Riley later in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a matter of minutes here, like I don't remember that one because Austin Riley, when, when I think Austin Riley from this game, I think of two other instances. I do too, but that was the first one. Um, I want to shout out Braves fans. I saw them cheering in the fans down four zero. That's that felt good. That felt like the Braves weren't out of it. The fan base was not out of it. They weren't doing the chop but they were not sitting on their hands. They weren't pouting. It was obviously tense, but you could tell they knew it was in there. They have seen this team over 162, and they know that four-run lead ain't enough for this Braves team when they are clicking. And I I was really proud of Braves fans back there. Really proud. I have um, no comment on Braves fans. It is a lose-lose situation for me talking about Braves fans, so I'm going to sit that one out. What do you mean by that? Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, you may be. I don't know. Did you go on Twitter? Did you see the novel that was written to me on Instagram? No, I did. Oh, well, yes, I did yeah. see that. I did see yeah. that. So yeah. it's it's in no way can I win right now. So I'm sitting this one out. Fair enough. Um, Braves fans, I'm on your team. Uh, but I'm also a Red October guy. So I'm, I'm very conflicted. And right, I was you're not roasted. on their team. I was getting roasted on Twitter. I was I was very pro Philly when they were winning. And I was like, hell yeah, Braves are coming back. This is great baseball. Braves fans are destroying me when I'm go- when I'm pro Philly. They're like, don't you have futures on us? I thought you- we were your pick, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I just, this is great baseball. We're watching Zach Wheeler. And then Braves come back. Holy shit, this is awesome. I got Phillies fans saying, never say Red October again. No, I'm... I can't win with these people. So I'm just going to keep giving my takes and you can take them however you want. See, you're going the other way. I'm going to stop giving my takes. I'm going to be quiet and podcast host becomes the king of no comment. Pussy. I'm going after both. <laughs> I'm going after both of them. Um, so <laughs> I completely jinxed Zach Wheeler. It was all my fault. I wrote down. We are watching the greatest start in MLB history. <laughs> and then what I did was I got out my phone and I was going to start filming a TikTok because I was fully convinced this man was throwing a no-hitter. <sighs> I mean, I was, he's throwing a no-hitter. I mean, this is the greatest start I've ever seen. This is in the playoffs against the Braves who are being compared to the 1927 Yankees. Then I wrote down that walk to Acuna felt like such a letdown. Then I wrote, I just jinxed it. I'm such an idiot. Great shot by Albies. Then I wrote down Trey Turner made two stupid ass errors, easy out on the first and dropped the ball in the second. And then if we remember that AB to Riley, where he got called out on strikes, yeah. I wrote down Wheeler earned that paint job to Riley. It was a ball, but he was so pinpoint all game. And when you are like that, like what Gallon was doing to the Dodgers, who we're going to talk about in a minute, he deserved that call. You pair Real Moto framing with his accuracy. And you might as well go home. Yeah, I like that. It That did feel like a karma call. Um, and it was positive karma for Wheeler. I love that you bring that up, that he earned that. Because it is all about gaining capital. And that's what I think that we will lose eventually. I don't know if it's coming as soon as next year with the challenge system or the full ABS. I think the full ABS is bad. I don't want to see it. I think the ABS challenge system is good. But man, we we lose this human element. I like the 
you know, room for error that human umpires have, as long as you have good umpires back there. Like if we can get a perfect pat back there or a bunch of guys that um, I, I know there are a couple others that jump out. Lance Barrett might've had a couple good games this year, but I, regardless, not many stand out. Yeah. Not many that stand out, but um, I like rewarding the guys that are good, but I'm so nervous about losing the malleable element to strike zones which is what baseball has been built on. And you think about the greatest pitchers in baseball history. They don't win all these Cy Youngs. They don't get busts in Cooperstown by throwing 100 down the dick. They never do. They do it by doing the Maddox paint job and earning the lower outside corner in a righty-lefty matchup. Like, no one's going to hit it. Bob Gibson, like Sandy Koufax, Steve Carlton, those guys, their best pitches were either on the corners or outside the strike zone. And we need that in baseball. And I'm I'm nervous about losing that, but I'm really thankful that we saw Zach Wheeler earn the corners because he was so good tonight. And I want to table that point because we're going to talk about what Bobby Miller did not earn, even though he has electric stuff. A couple just points that I also wrote down. Bryson Stott is such a stud single up the middle, just a great piece of hitting. If we remember that hit, uh, the Matt Olson single was registered at one eleven. I had it on Peter vision at one twenty. Yeah. That was the hardest hit ball I've ever seen off yeah. Zach Wheeler, even though it was a single, it just, it was pure middle of the bat to Matt Olson coming in at 97. I swore it was 120 miles an hour. It was up also, the gut, right? right? Sorry. It was up the gut. It was yeah. right up the heart, right yeah. up the middle, just a line drive piss missile. Um, I also wrote down Marcelo Zuna got bullied for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. Personally. I'm totally okay with it. Um, then I wrote down that Travis Darno home run could have saved the season. You could feel the relief of the stadium through the TV, hearing yeah. the noise right after just felt awesome. Like yeah. that. All right. We have a game here. It wasn't just domination by the Phillies starter and their bullpen. Travis Darno, we finally saw the Braves finally get through. Yeah. And then here we go. Jinxing myself. I mean, what did I say? This is stream of consciousness. I wrote down Phillies have such a deep bullpen. Jeff Hoffman, Jose Alvarado, Kirkering, Dominguez, Strom, Kimball are all options I feel comfortable and then I wrote down, as soon as I wrote that dumb shit, Austin Riley goes yabo. Not sure why Hoffman didn't stick with his fastball. Riley didn't look like he was on time for it and was waiting for the off-speed pitch. That was a not good swing from Austin Riley. And by not good, I mean it was not his A swing. That was a B swing. I think at point of contact, he had one and a half hands on the bat. His bottom hand or his top hand, I think, was coming off the bat. With that swing, that has no business getting out. But that's how freaking strong and amazing Austin Riley is. That swing, that pitch resulting in a home run was mind-boggling to me. See, when I was watching the at-bat, it felt like his swing was a little bit long. So I thought Hoffman, he was humming in 98. I didn't think Riley could get up to it right now. It looked like Riley was at least sitting on something slower. That's That was just my perception when I was watching the at-bat. And then he throws him something soft. And yeah, it wasn't an A swing because it wasn't a hanger right down the middle, right? So I thought he went out and got it and then hit it out. So it wasn't a perfect swing, 
But I, I was sitting there thinking, why did he go to the off-speed pitch? His swing looked long. He looked like he was kind of getting dominated by fastballs all day, especially with Wheeler. And Hoffman can get it up there to 98. Yeah. I just didn't understand the call. But, I mean, Hoffman's a great relief pitcher. Like, he's going to his stuff. And it wasn't like it was a bad pitch. No, it, it was a good pitch. Like, it wasn't right to go to off-speed in that spot. It was a good pitch. There are very few hitters on the planet that can do that with that pitch. And we forget that Austin Riley is that dude. We know that he was slow out of the gates this year and he wasn't all-star starter caliber this year. He finished with what? 37 pumps this year. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. Easily. Also just a quick update. Again, we were recording in the ninth inning, Evan Phillips, big time strikeout going to the bottom of the ninth. Really good. Lead four, two. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's get to the big-time play. The Michael Harris play was straight-up amazing. But let's talk about Bryce Harper. Was it a bad base-running decision? Was it just unlucky? I'm going with unlucky. Yeah, Tough luck. Hard to read that one. I thought he got over-aggressive. But if he scores, he scores if that ball drops, right? He took a chance, and he lost. I saw some... Some part of Philly's Twitter going after him. Another part of Philly's Twitter saying, hey, we ride with our guy, right? If that ball drops, which it was such an amazing play by Michael Harris. He's scoring. Game is tied. You got to take a chance in the playoffs. It didn't end up working out. I'm not blaming Harper one bit. Could he have probably done a little bit of a better job? He didn't have to go that far, of course. But he was trying to score. I don't blame him too much. What was your read on that? So I, I, I defer. Yeah. Defer is the right word. I defer to Rob Thompson um, and Tim Kelly, who does a great job for us editorially at just baseball.com. He is the editor. He's the uh, editorial director at Phillies nation. So he was there. He asked Thompson after the game, he said, Rob, should Bryce have stopped at second base on that last play? And this was Thompson's response. Quote, usually you don't pass the base. You stay in front of it, make sure it's not caught. But he thought the ball was clearly over his head, didn't think he was going to catch it. And Harris made a heck of a play. Unbelievable. He tried to get back and he slipped, but usually you stay in front of the second base. So it did he venture a teensy bit too far by the book? Yes, he did. Did Michael Harris make one of the catches of the year, given the moment, given the circumstance? Yes, absolutely. I want to break this into two parts because you had Harris's masterclass and then you had Austin Riley on the heels of a massive go-ahead homer a half inning prior, backing up that throw coming into second base. Like, I wouldn't even call it a brain fart if he wasn't there. I wouldn't, I wasn't expecting him to be there, but the fact that he was there made that pick on the short hop and fired a dart over to Matt Olson. That was the best play in the postseason in a long time, long time. That's better than Chaz McCormick's like home run robbery to end the game last year. That whole sequence, the catch by Michael Harris, then the overflow or overflow, overthrow that overthrow. Well, 15 for you too. Don't pretend you're not tired. It is very late in, at night. That play by Austin Riley, getting the ball, chucking it over to first to get Bryce Harper, that had a lot of Derek Jeter oh. 
remember when the when the overthrow Derek Jeter does the backhand flip? Yeah, to get Giambi at the plate. It was what Mister November? That that was when he got that nickname. Did that not have a similar feeling to you? Um, no, because it was the NLDS game two, wasn't a decider. Like the circumstances were different and these are big circumstances, but the circumstances were huge there and it's freaking Derek Jeter. And we put that guy on a pedestal, but Riley being there, I thought was amazing. And that was, and I'm feeling it play. It's the guy that has 50 making a big block on the final defensive possession. It's like, if you just have it that night, you have it that night. And for a 10-minute stretch, Austin Riley just had it. And Michael Harris, he didn't need to have it. That's his literal baseline. That's what he does. I know that 90% of big league outfielders can't make that play. Guess what? He's in the 10%. He's in the 5%. He might be in the 1%. Yeah. He might be the best. He's one of them. That was amazing. So the fact that he stayed where we know he can be and Riley leveled up defensively on that last play, uh, I thought that was as much of a momentum builder as you could possibly have going into uh, Philly for game three. I don't know. It gave me Derek Jeter overthrow vibes. (laughs) Sure. And that was it. That was the end of the game. Braves win 5-4, tie the series 1-1. And right now as we're sitting here, Kike Hernandez just hit a piss missile to Lordy Scurriel Jr. in left field, who's also had a great game. We're going to go over my stream of consciousness there. Great catch by Lordy Scurriel Jr. Two outs left in this game, Jack. But before the game ends, let's talk about the beginning, and then we'll probably wrap up with the end by the time we're done talking. Bobby Miller just couldn't land a slide, and the D-backs punished him. The D-backs, and I wrote this down, nothing to lose. No fear. We got to start giving the D-backs so much credit. And we've been giving the D-backs credit on the show. But damn, just to ambush the Dodgers once again in that situation. And it wasn't just, you know, they hit one big home run or they got on with errors. No, they're just continuing to hit the living piss out of the ball. This team plays with no fear. They're aggressive, but they're not over aggressive, right? They're not undisciplined. Watching Corbin Carroll take these incredible bats against Bobby Miller going from 0-2 to a walk just to get on base for Cattell Marte, then just opening the floodgates for Luis Gurriel Jr., for Gabriel Moreno, for Christian Walker. This is an underrated lineup that plays together as a unit. And they're just really, really exciting. They're fast. They're fun. And I can't stress this enough. It's just a fearless team going into Dodger Stadium, where they have not fared well. The Dodgers have owned this season series, winning the last five games, and the Diamondbacks put up 11 in game one, then an instant three three ball. And what does that do? Not only does that take the momentum out of the Dodgers at all, like you're going up in the bottom of the first, and you just don't have it, right? There's just takes the air out of the balloon. But then also it takes the crowd out of it. The crowd just witnessed an 11 run beatdown, and now it's instantly 3 0, right? Yeah. If you get out of that inning and it's 0 0, the crowd is in it. They think they're going to win. Yeah. That took this everything out of the offense and it took everything out of the crowd. And when Gallon has it all working, doesn't matter who the fuck is at the plate. He's that good. 
at at what point did you start saying, here we go again? Was it right away? I thought the leadoff walk to Carol, it it kind of buried in me. And then as soon as Cattell Marte came into score and they had that bases loaded situation and they, you know, made it three nothing in the first. Honestly, I was saying, here we go again. This might be another blowout. Credit to the Dodger bullpen. That's my big takeaway from this game. And we're gonna walk game, we're gonna walk game by game, but or kind of thought by thought for you. But the Dodger starting rotation in these front two games has given them what two innings of nine run ball. Yeah. Yeah. I just tried to do the math quickly in my head. I think that's the math. They've given him six outs and nine runs because Kershaw was an out and six runs. Miller was an inning and two thirds and three. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> I tried to do the math there and it was pretty easy math, but it's hard to comprehend the math. Yeah. But this is a testament. This game is a testament to the Dodger bullpen. They won this game after the top of the first inning. They won this game 2-1, but we're not playing the what-if game. Bobby did not look comfortable, and there was a conversation between Bob Costas and Ron Darling. Um, Costas busted out an SAT word and said, Miller has a placid look on his face. And Darling pushed back and said, I don't know if that's a placid look. He looks like a deer in headlights. So Costas said, oh, so that's a vacant look. <laughs> Ron was like, yeah, I think we can settle on vacant. Um, Miller. I did love look- I love I love them to settling on vocab words. That's right. what we like, hear in the just, broadcast. Welcome to playoff baseball, man. <laughs> We've got a vocab conversation. But um, yeah, I, I thought that Bobby just looked not timid like I thought Grayson Rodriguez looked, but he looked out of his element. Yeah. And that is unfortunate to see because that dude has some of the most like big hoss stuff that we've got in baseball. He can bully the best hitters in baseball with that stuff. Um, and Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. That's the difference. And that's why I wanted to bring up that great point that you made about these elite pitchers. What makes them so elite is the command with this stuff. Yeah. I think Bobby Miller has better stuff than Zach Wheeler. Yeah. He does. We ain't comparing them at all. No, because Bobby Miller, he's throwing everything down the middle of the plate. But we also have precedent with Wheeler. It's true. But I'm but I'm saying like Bobby Miller, by you look at every stuff metric, Bobby Miller has a better fastball. Yes. Bobby Miller arguably has better changeup, right? Zach Wheeler doesn't have much of a changeup. Sliders, pretty close. And yet there is a staunch difference. What's the difference? Command. Yeah. earning the corners that's what wheeler does that's what bobby miller couldn't do and when you're talking about looking vacant or placid or whatever the hell cost this <laughs> and tarlick we're talking about i thought this moment was when bobby miller's night was over now early i thought he fought he didn't pitch well but he didn't look out of the moment this is when i finally thought all right Mark Pryor needs to go out and talk to him and he did so corbin carroll went from 0-2 to a walk in his second a b I wrote down Bobby Miller looked immediately shook. And then I said, get Pryor out there. Immediately Pryor goes out. Great job by Pryor to go talk to him. Gets Marte. Again, good call by the Dodgers to get him out of there. He didn't have it. Yeah, And I thought it was a great job. Dave Roberts, after that inning, is talking next to the dugout. And he's going through his plan of Tommy Pham doesn't really punch out. 
We had to get a ground ball. We felt that Gratterall was the better option, and he exactly nailed it. Gratterall got the ground ball, and he was spot on there. I thought that was a great move by Dave Roberts to keep them in the game. He even said, we couldn't go down four, and he was right, and they kept him within the ball game. The only issue is the dead bats on the yeah. Los Angeles Dodgers. Can we talk about the dead bats? I had a realization, and it sat with me. I have more faith in Ryan Brazier, in Joe Kelly, in Evan Phillips, in Bruce Dar Gratterall, than the Dodgers bats to get the offense going. That was a crazy thing that I thought, and it happened, that I had more faith in the Dodgers' bullpen than their ability to score runs, whether it was against Gallon, because we knew Gallon would be out at some point. Against the bullpen, it didn't matter. I thought once they got three, once they got that fourth run, the game was over, because these bats were dead as shit. Mookie Betts, man. Mookie Betts is three for 33 in his last 10 postseason games. That is insanity. We view Mookie Betts as arguably the best player in baseball from a defensive standpoint, from an offensive standpoint, from everything he does on the baseball field. He has come up really small in the last 10 playoff games for the Dodgers. And the last playoff games in recent memory for the Dodgers have been a lot of losers. Losing to the Padres. Yeah. They're down 2-0 to the Diamondbacks at home. This Dodgers offense starts with Mookie Betts. I'm te- I have a whole group chat. It's all Dodger fans. Shout out the boys from home. It's all Dodger fans. They were saying, if Mookie gets on base, we will win. And the first AB doesn't get on base. And they said, the game is over. He's the engine that goes. And when he's 3-for-33 in the postseason the Dodgers are going to lose. It doesn't matter what the rest of the lineup does because they need him on first. They need him then stealing second. And they needed Freddie, who also looked completely in between. Didn't know whether it was a fastball. Didn't know whether it was a curveball. Gallon made him his bitch. And then Ryan Thompson, you got to be funky and nasty to make Freddie Freeman foul ball off his leg. Yeah. So Freddie Freeman looked in between. He didn't look there. And then when those two aren't hitting, the game is over. It is over. So Gallon punched Freeman on a knuckle curve that was middle-middle. And I retweeted Rob Friedman, pitching ninja, who clipped the high fastball right before that. That was a tunneling masterclass. It was a fastball that sailed. Freddie saw it go eye high past him, and then he worked the knuckle curve right off of that. So I thought that was more pitching mastery than Freddie, like not being ready for the curveball. Um, but Mookie and Freddie combining to go one for eight in game two. The other team wide note that I want to bring up is this- wait, let me before yeah. you get to the Tino, I'm sorry. I just I want to address the Freddie thing. I wasn't just only talking about that at bat, I'm just saying. Mookie and Freddie have been in between this entire series for sure. And that I agree. It was mastery from Zach, Zach Allen, but the end of the day, you are Freddie Freeman, right? Like, yes, it's great tunneling. Congratulations, gallon. But to be frozen like that middle, middle, like it wasn't painted at the bottom of the zone and barely a strike. No, no, it was right in the middle of the strike zone. So yes, was it a great, was a great tunneling by Gallon? Absolutely. 
Is that an excuse for Freddie Freeman holding him to the highest standard humanly possible because he fucking deserves that because he's amazing? Yeah. No. So I'm I'm going to be maybe unfair, and I need you to call me if you think I'm being unfair right okay. now. Okay. I am drawn to certain guys in the postseason because they wear their raw emotion on their sleeve. Bryce Harper wears every high and every low, and I see it visibly on him during the course of a game. Uh, Matt Olson let out this warrior cry after that ball game ended. Austin Riley, like, yeah, I don't know. That dude, he says so much with a stoic look. There are a lot of guys that I really love that wear their emotions during the postseason. And Let me Mookie, see why you're already unfair. This is already unfair. I'm going to tell you yeah. why. They haven't had an opportunity that, to show. No, 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 no. You just said Riley shows it with a stoic look. I think okay. you're being a little bit biased right now. I think you just love Austin Riley. I love Riley. You love oh. Riley. And I think you're seeing the good in Riley and not seeing the good in these other yeah, guys. Yeah, you make a nice point. I'll go to the American League now. I think Correa is a guy that wears his emotion in such a fun way. I think Jordan Alvarez is a guy that wears his emotion in a fun way. Royce Lewis, we've seen it very early. Um I don't think of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman in that light. And maybe they just haven't had an opportunity to show that to me, but three for three. Three for 33 the postseason. Like Mookie's probably just pissed the entire time. I know, time. but like I kind of want to see him pissed. And he doesn't look pissed. I think I know he is. Like that's I know. I think that's unfair because I think that's the way they have to deal with it. Like they can they are the leaders of this team. They cannot look depressed on the field. Like yeah, but I like don't Harper looks them... angry when he fucks up and he's the leader. Yeah, but it's like a different type of anger. I just feel that every player goes about their business differently. Yeah. And... No, I know it's unfair. Yeah. But I, I know what you're saying that we we enjoy when we see the emotion and it's pure. And that's why Bryce Harper is arguably my favorite player in baseball because he wears his emotions on his sleeve and we can see everything that he's going through. Mookie, it's just a smile all the way through. And that's like on the flip side, why I love Mookie so much is that it doesn't seem like anything ever bothers him. So I give him credit for that. I want this to bother him a little bit. I don't think that's him. Like I think the reason he's so good is because he doesn't let anything bother him. So he may be three for 33. He doesn't give a shit. And that's why I think he could come back the next game. However, the adjustments are not being made. And maybe it's just, well, he faced Zach Allen, right? Yeah. It's really hard to hit him. But when Mookie and Freddie don't go. And again, it's credit to Gallon. Everything yeah. was working. All I wrote down, <laughs> you know what I wrote down? Gallon is a beautiful pitcher. That's he all is. I wrote down. He I is. just wrote, Gallon is a beautiful pitcher. Max Muncy squared to Bud. That's how bad it is right now. He's such a good watch. He was just uh, different than Wheeler because Wheeler was like, I mean, Wheeler was also beautiful, but he was fuck you in your face. Yeah. Not that way, but like fuck you in your face. Two different gross way. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? My um, my team wide <laughs> Dodger note. <laughs> get about that lightning quick as quickly as we possibly can, moving off of that. Um, fuck. I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> my team wide note. 
the Dodgers two for 12 with runners in scoring position across the first two games, Dog one for six in each game. It's just not going to work. Not going to work at all. Um, J.D. Martinez had the shortest home run in uh, MLB playoff history, or at least that's what it seemed like. Didn't fact check it. Again, these are straight from Fine. Adobe. Fine. Felt like the shortest home run in MLB history, and I felt like that was a good – It was 372 score. feet. Left the bat at 104, but yeah. And no, no way it did that. <laughs> Peter Vision, no shot. It went like 312. Understood. Um, that felt like a good symbol of the Dodgers' offense. <clears throat> like barely they got a home run. Barely. Um. Again, I just wrote down Dave Roberts pushing all the right buttons. I thought he worked the bullpen masterfully. And then I wrote down Gallon getting every call in the corners and a ball off. If he gets there, it's so hard to hit him. However, the Dodgers are getting some nice calls on check swings. There was a couple of check swings there, which, you know, Freddie went on a couple of those. Um, But when Gallon is getting the ball off the corner, which I want to make sure everybody knows he earned, right? Dodgers fans, it's a ball, it's a ball. I get it. He earned that shit. He is around the corners. And when Gabby Moreno is framing him like that, everything looks like a strike. And it's all right there. The umpire is going to give it to him because he's consistently around there. That's what is the difference between a guy like Gallon and a guy like Wheeler to a guy like Bobby Miller. He hasn't earned those corners. Again, this is what I wrote down about Freddie. Freddie absolutely frozen on a hanging curveball middle middle looked yeah. fooled on every curve curveball and gallon stuck with it had to throw for a strike and got it huge AB I felt like that was the end of the game right there that that was the inning you got yeah. Mookie on you got Freddie up that was the inning they didn't get it you saw the huge fist pump from gallon he knew it Dodgers knew it the game ended on that call Guriel, shout out Lewis Guriel Jr. Beautiful home run. I mean, I wrote down beautiful a lot. I mean, this game, these games are just beautiful. I was so <laughs> which which ball do you think left the bat harder? JD Martinez or Lourdes Guriel Jr.? Uh, probably JD Martinez, but everybody knew is the, the ball was hit harder off Guriel's bat. Sure. Peter Vision knew. Peter Vision knew. Everybody watching at home knew. Gotcha. Um, I thought it was also on a great pitch. Went down and again, got a good pitch. I said no notes, just beautiful. I kept writing that. I don't know why I did that. Um also, I wrote down this. No idea why they took out Gallon. Absolutely no idea. What are we doing, D-backs? This is a horrible call. Sal Frank threw 10 innings this year, scoreless, but still, why did they take him out? Why did they take him out? Great call. Yeah, and then great call. He got the out. Um, And then I wrote down, why are they not taking until they see a strike? This guy is just spamming curveballs in the dirt, and we got hitters up there with just no approach at all. I mean, the bottom of the Dodgers lineup is just so disappointing. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, when you got Miguel Rojas sitting down there, uh, Altman is kind of going through this funk right now. He's over. He was over three with the walk and three punch outs today. David Peralta. As soon as you get to Jason Hayward, and I love this bounce back from Jason Hayward, but yeah, Hayward, but he's kind of a dead bat right now too. Like, Hayward, yeah, I love it during the regular season when they the platoon thing. him well. Not in the playoffs. That's the thing. Hayward Peralta, Altman, Rojas is the last four in your lineup. That ain't going to get done. I wrote down something I'm not proud of. Um, Should I say it? No, you don't have to. I'm going to say it. I I started doing no comments. (laughs) I I wrote down Outman as a bum. Ooh. Sorry. I disagree, but we'll move on. He just, he made me so upset with his at-bats. He's not a bum. I wrote it out of spite. I was upset at his approach. He's not a bum. Yeah, we're... Worth the low he's point. Had a couple of errors that is at bats have been terrible. Yeah, no, he's not playing well right now. 
Yeah, but he's not a bum. I'm sorry, James Alman. I didn't mean it. Um, I thought putting in Wong shows the game was a forfeit. <laughs> like, yeah, well, like Rojas had a better chance there. <laughs> I mean, he's choking up on the bat just to get a ground ball. I mean, Rojas had a good September. Colton Wong's hitting 180. I mean, what are we doing there? That was, I get the lefty-righty matchup, but what are we doing there? I the mean, second best team in baseball. Pinch hit Colton Wong for Miguel Rojas. I mean, that's 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 why you're down 2-0 the D backs. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's embarrassing. Um, I wrote down what a world we live in where I'm genuinely afraid of Tommy Pham. Dude, he is uh somehow becoming more likable for me over the I course of this five-game <laughs> stretch. It's hilarious. <laughs> He's the man, he barrels everything. He's a he tough just... AB. Now the Dodgers got him on a couple of strikeouts. But Dodger fans, you cannot tell me you are not afraid of that man right now. That guy needed to change his scenery five times. And yeah. the fifth time was the charm. He just needed to be in Arizona, and we didn't know it until he got there. And he's the perfect Arizona Diamondback. And he's a three-hitter for a team that seems like they're headed to the NLCS. I wrote down Mookie needs errors to get on right now. He's so lost. Oh, <laughs> mean. <laughs> Did you I mean, mean, is it not true? No, it's true. It's true. And then I wrote down, whenever he gets on first, the Dodgers seem to score. And then I wrote down, that was stupid. They still suck. <laughs> I think I like my one note better than your notes. <laughs> yeah, as I told you, these are, these are all over the place. I said, not sure how anyone hits Ryan Thompson. He makes Freddie Freeman foul balls off his leg, not his ankle, his literal leg. Yeah. That's just another note I wrote down. Ryan Thompson's been disgusting. Yeah. Ray's castaway gone to Arizona, becoming an elite reliever. Yeah. Last note, Freddie looks completely lost, as does Mookie in between pitches. Looks completely unlike himself. If those two aren't on, this series is over. And the Dodgers lost four to two. Seawald comes in against the bottom of the Dodgers lineup. Don't even need to recap that. You know what happened. They didn't do shit. And the Dodgers haven't done shit all series. It's four runs, right? The the score right now in this series. 15 to four. Dodgers getting their ass kicked. And now, game three, Lance Lynn got to have a big time start because they just use their entire bullpen. Now they, they get an off day, but I mean, this is this is not good, Jack. Can I this say probably over. early read tells me that the Dodgers win game three in Lynn versus Fott, and I think Lynn puts up a, a good start. The thing is, if they win game three, they could win the series. But I, yeah, I, I know. I don't know what, like, Brandon fought, unfortunately, he's a good pitcher to face to get out of a slump. Yeah, he is. He yeah, is. I mean, with all due respect to Brandon fought, I mean, what are we talking about? Right no, now? I didn't expect to be saying that about him going into the year, but now I loved him. We're saying I that. still, I still believe. I swear to you, I still, believe. I don't understand how he turns into glorified batting practice at points because it's still 95 and he still has a pitch mix. Like, I don't know. But I also don't understand how big leaguers like I, I walked through the EVs on yesterday's episode against Kershaw. It's still Clayton Kershaw. Like, I, I don't understand how it was easy for the Diamondbacks to hammer Kershaw. But that's that's the skill level of these guys. Last thing you throw in Kershaw game four. Yes. Live by him, die by him. I'd go Pepio. I, I want Pepio on the heels of Lynn. And I want Kershaw. I think you got to give Lynn length and then go Pepio and Sheehan, 
maybe go Sheehan with Lynn. Uh, it's kind of the no, same look. I don't feel good about Sheehan. The Dodgers are going to lose this series. I mean, they just don't have the pitching to do it. I mean, what are we even talking about? No, man. I mean, Kershaw, like, game four could be the last start of Clayton Kershaw's career. Could be. I mean, he's I, I'm putting it. I'm putting him out on the hill, and I'm saying, empty the freaking tank. And Kershaw is going to look at me and say, Jack, you don't have to tell me what to do. I'm the greatest left-handed pitcher of all time. Literally shut up. I'm going to go pitch. Yeah, he 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 would say that. Um, Quick predictions as we end the pod. Twins, yeah. Astros, Sonny Gray taking on Christian Javier. Who you got winning? Sonny is going to slice and dice. Um, Edward Julian is going to take a Christian Javier fastball deep. Javier is going to get ambushed on the four-seamer. I think the Twins go in with a plan. I think they don't swing at the slider. I think they exclusively swing at the fastball. And I think Julien's going yard. I think one of Lewis or Correa is going yard on a four-seam fastball. And I think Minnesota takes a 2-1 lead. I think you're right. Um, This is also not a great matchup for Javier. Javier's biggest (laughs) struggles, power lefties. Twins have six of them. They're a good fastball-hitting team. We saw what they've done to similar pitchers to Christian Javier in that same division. How about Brian Wu? How about Bryce Miller? Twins had no issue with those type of guys. The type of guys who are fastball sliders, struggles against lefties. Twins eat them alive. Twins are better at home. Sonny Gray's going to dice. They got that bullpen. Griffin Jacks is a bad man. Jax is awesome. Is a bad man. Brock Stewart is a bad man. They got a three-headed monster back there. So they also had Trevor McGill, and I think McGill was on the Brewers wildcard roster, but McGill was a St. Paul Saint. McGill's like 6'8 and throws 102. Brock Stewart, like that's kind of his jam. Jax, that sweeper from Griffin Jax is unbelievable. Filthy. Um, and Duran, Aram and I had this conversation. I asked him a simple yes or no question. I'll ask you the same one. Is Yohan Duran the best reliever in baseball going into next year? Bautista's out with TJ. I mean, he's got the best stuff of any pitcher I've ever seen. I said yes. I just, there's a part of me that still wants to say Devin Williams, that I'm still not, he's just, his track record is so amazing. He walks the world. Duran doesn't walk the world. Yeah, I mean, when Duran comes in, the fucking game's over. Game's over. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say yes, but there's still a part of me that. Is is Julianne going yard, or is a different lefty going yard? Polanco's been seeing the ball really well. I like Polanco. Okay. But I like Julian too. I think the Twins are going to have a really good day at the play. And I also, I want to be clear. I've been getting a lot of shit. This is what happens every single postseason. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys know I make a lot of bets. And whenever I do this, I hate it because fan bases come after me and say that I hate them. And that's not what I'm doing. Obviously, people, Astros fans, you know I'm a Yankee fan. You know how much praise i've given the astros stop i don't hate your team i'm very pro twins i like the value on them and i am betting them it has nothing to do with your team it had nothing to do with the blue jays while i was pissed at vladdy because he cost me six thousand dollars we're gonna rank vladdy so low on the top can i can i just say just get used to it man as long as i know i just don't want fan bases thinking that i hate them but as, as long as you talk baseball, there are going to be fan bases. There are probably going to be 15 
of them that assume that you hate them. Whatever. You know, I might just end up hating all fan bases. Just that's fine. I clearly they don't think I hate them. Fine, I'll hate you. You'll see what you'll see what type of content I give you if I actually hate your team. Yeah, I'm not a baseball fan. Like you yeah. see the content that I get, it's horrible. Blue Jays fans, <laughs> get ready for Vladdy hate content. I'm going to spin narratives you've never even heard. Here's um, why Vladdy should play center field. <laughs> no, here's why Vladdy should be out of the league entirely. Be a Buffalo Bison. Yeah, I'm seeing, oh, should we give him an extension? Yeah, you shouldn't extend him for a year for the league minimum. Oh. Um, zing. Boom. Uh, zing. Uh, what's the last game on the schedule? Orioles, Rangers in, in Texas. Orioles, Rangers in Nathan Texas. Nathan Dean Kramer. I bet Rangers first five uh, minus a half. They got to win through the first five. Dean Kramer, show me you got it. Uh, I think Dean Kramer is going to show us that he's got it. I okay. have the Orioles winning. Um, wow. I think the Orioles deploy everything they have out of that bullpen. I hope Kramer gives them three. And I do think they win a low scoring game. I'm going to give it to the Rangers. I think they sweep. I think this is just the Rangers are hot. Yeah, that's it. When they're hot, they can win the World Series. That's how I feel about the Rangers. And if the Twins end up winning the series, my Cinderella team facing the team that is a juggernaut on offense when they're hot, I will have some tough decisions to make. But we're going to make those tough decisions when we continue to predict on the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed my stream of consciousness. We got through it. Braves-Phillies, unbelievable game. Dodgers-Diamondbacks, unbelievable performance by the Diamondbacks. They deserve all the credit. I cannot wait to continue to see them beating the piss out of the Dodgers. And that sucks to say because we have Walker Bueller coming on every week. But at the same time, the Diamondbacks are firing me up. I can only be honest. And they are firing me up. I want to jump on the bandwagon. I love this team. And we'll be back tomorrow. That's Jack. I'm Peter. We'll save you guys the theatrics. You know when to subscribe. You know to leave a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. Get your Just Baseball merch. We're all wearing it. And with that... Thank you. goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.